everybody, and welcome in for another episode of Ball Club Confidential. I'm your host, Austin Price. Tennessee coming off its bye week as Texas A&M tomorrow at 3.30, that game on CBS. Of course, Tennessee coming off that 41-20 win over South Carolina just two weeks ago. Let's bring in the Vol Club's Brandon Spurlock. Brandon, at the South Carolina tailgate, over 2,000 people attended that tailgate. It was hopping. You had, obviously, some former Vols from the 98 team there, Al Wilson, uh, you know, pushing the Sangria and you know, but you had the Travis's there, a lot of former players, and uh, just an exciting event. Yeah, we're still blown away by it. I mean, 2000, you know, we're trying to figure out how to continue to manage that and make sure everybody's experience is great. You know, I thought everybody was there to see you and me, but uh, Al Wilson and Jamal, and when those guys show up, I mean, they bring crowds. And we, you know, when we showed up to the tailgate, you know, an hour or 30 minutes before the doors, the gates opened, there was a line, you know, down to the pedestrian walkway. So that's you know, very humbling and very cool to see. Um, but also the challenge for us is to make sure that our members continue to have a great experience. And we're working on that every day and can't wait for Texas A&M. Texas A&M tailgate, same location, which is kind of between McClung Tower, um, right there near Humanities and the library. And honestly, you know, because you're up against McClung Tower, you're kind of providing a lot of shade there. Yeah, you know, for years, that building, you look up at it and you're like, kind of like, oh, that building is kind of an eyesore. But, man, it's the shade during these games. Like, I've never loved that building so much. And we hear comments about that. Um, so there's something for everybody. We got the tent there. You know, we got the grassy area um, for kids. We're trying to do more for kids to make it a kid-friendly tailgate. Um, talking about face painters and things like that. So we'll see what we can pull off. But um, just just can't say enough about our members that have helped get us to this point um, to talk about, you know, 3,800 approaching fourth thousand members um, and we look across the country at other collectives and what they're doing and not doing and, you know it's it's a testament once again to vol nation and they they never failed it i feel like you were just not long ago you were like 2500 and then all of a sudden it just started to click and you started adding boom boom i mean i think you have something like 80 something signups for the south carolina game i mean <clears throat> feels like you guys are rapidly adding new members all the time. Yeah, I think day of, you know, we didn't experience that last year, day of. I think it, it speaks a lot to the tailgates. I mean, when you got free food and free drinks, you know, alcohol and non-alcohol, that you can get your $25 a month worth pretty quick. Um, so, again, constantly evaluating that and growing it the right way and then also thinking about how can we add value for our members in the springtime, you know, when we don't have those tailgates. So around basketball, around baseball, and really thinking about events. Because our it's, we have a you know a core group of people that seem to love the events so much, how do we do things across the state in non-football season times? All right, let's bring in tonight's marquee guest, that being Tennessee defensive line coach Rodney Garner. Coach Garner, you uh, you come out of Leeds, Alabama. You go on to play football at Auburn University. Um, just kind of take me through, you know, what it was like for Rodney Garner as a as a young kid, fall in love with the game of football. You know, when when did you really start to to really kind of hone in and go, man, football's kind of be my passion. Well, I, I you know obviously you know growing up I was always a big kid, so I never really could make the weight classes to play the little league football. It was all about weight classes, so. Really, I guess in the eighth grade when I got a chance to, uh, you know, go out for football and play on the B team, and then I made the varsity as a freshman, and you know I started, you know, man, this, you know, this thing's got a chance to, you know, to change my life. You know, growing up, I just always thought, you know, I'd go in the military like everybody else in my family, and you know, do do the military thing, come back to Leeds, and you know, do that, but then started playing football and started being recruited you know really early and got offered you know by schools early you know Alabama offered me as a sophomore and you know in a lot of other places and it just took off from there what made you fall in love with Auburn 
you know, when, when, you know, when you're, you know, getting recruited by all those schools, what made Auburn the pick for, for young Rodney coming out of high school? Actually, I was you know, actually committed to the other school, uh, for almost a year. For Alabama, huh? Yeah, I really was. And, uh, you know, just, you know, at that time, you know, you didn't have much, you know, it was wasn't a whole lot on TV and Alabama was the, you know, hot thing. So just growing up, you know, not like anybody you know, in my family, you know, went to Alabama or Auburn except for Charles, my cousin, you know, but, you know, just, you know, it was a hot thing. So I committed, you know, cause they, they offered me when Bear was still alive and Ken Donahue was recruiting me and I love coach Donahue and I just, you know, he was my guy and you know, I just, fell in love with him so I was committed to Alabama for over a year and never would even go down to Auburn you know I the only, t- only time I watched Charles play basketball was when they came to Birmingham and played UAB or when they came to Tuscaloosa and played at Alabama and then my senior year Auburn was playing Maryland and and some of my high school teammates wanted to go to the Auburn Maryland game to see Boomer Sison and I'm like man I don't want to go down there and they were like Please, you know, give us some tickets, you know, we'll drive, we'll do everything. So went down there with some of my teammates, you know, that night Charles gave us his dorm room. He went and stayed somewhere else. We stayed in his room and the rest was history. I fell in love with it, you know, fell in love with Coach Dye and just felt at home at Auburn. You go to Auburn, you, you, you play there, you have a phenomenal career there. Then you go, you know, play a few years professionally and then you get into coaching. What? When did you kind of know that coaching was a path you wanted to take? And, and who kind of had an influence on that? Well, I think I attribute that, you know, all to Coach Die. You know, back then, you know, you, you know, if, if you didn't graduate on time, you know, you had to, you know, there wasn't a, you know, coming back, you know, um, you know, where they pay for your school, you know, years and that. You know, I was on the extended plan. So, you know, I was playing. I got cut by Tampa Bay. I went and played arena ball for two years, you know, in Pittsburgh. And I, I'm coming back working on my degree. So I'm working in the in the weight room and I'm working in the recruiting office. And then, you know, I'm just, you know, doing whatever Coach died and them asked me to do and hosting recruits every weekend, doing all the recruiting stuff for them. And then, Next thing you know, Coach Young, the longtime recruiting coordinator, you know, he retired. I'm working, I'm actually working in public relations for Buffalo Rock Pepsi. Coach Dye called and offered me the recruiting coordinator job, and, and I go back to Auburn. You end up here in 96, 97, um, coaching tight ends and, and offensive tackles. Mm-hmm. When you first got to Tennessee, what did what did what 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 did you fall in love with about this place? Well, you know, obviously the first thing, you know, Tennessee recruited me out of high school. Coach Cut, you know, we laugh. You know, Cut was at one of their earlier games uh, this season. You know, he's Marcus's, you know, father. Sure. And I guess it was when we played Virginia and Nashville, he was laughing. He said, "You should have came in first place." You know, all that. You know, because Cut did it. He did. He did a great job recruiting me. Uh, but the one thing you always knew about how passionate the fan base was, you know, and just, you know, and just, you know, yeah, you know how passionate everyone is about Tennessee football. And the one thing, you know, I do remember, you know, when I was here the first time, Kim and I, you know, we got married when I came to Tennessee. So we went up to Pigeon Forge, you know, we got married at one of the chapels up there. And then my second oldest daughter, Bree, she was born here at Fort Sanders. So, you know, it's always been a special place, you know, especially, you know, Bree was born with a congenital heart defect, you know, that the Angel Flighter to Nashville. And, you know, we always just sit back and think about, 
you know, how embracing, you know, the Tennessee family was, you know, when we were going through that trying time, you know, it was, you know, she spent two weeks in neonatal intensive care over there at Vandy. And, uh, you know, we didn't know she was going to live or, you know, die, you know, but the, the Tennessee fans were, you know, the encouragement, the notes, you know, people, you know, sending flowers, you know, just checking on us. It was just phenomenal, you know. I know Doug Matthews probably spearheaded a lot of it because he was out of Nashville, but, you know, they were just, the, the, the Tennessee fan family was just, they were just so great to us, you know, at that time. So it was just an awesome experience. You've got five girls. Six. Um, six girls, that's right. I mean, a, you just kept trying, trying to yeah, get that boy. Yeah, yeah. And, and But Bree, you speak about her born here, and now she's back working in the football office here. Right. How much fun is that from the dad perspective when you're, I mean, obviously you're in the middle of a season right now and you're coaching and you're molding young men, but like when you see her walking through the office and you're like, man, I get to see my daughter every day. I mean, it's got to be pretty neat, right? It's it's unreal. You know, it's, uh, you know, it's phenomenal. Um, you know, and it's just so surreal, you know, just it seems like everything's come full circle, you know, for her to be born here and for us to go through what we did with her, you know, you know, coming in, you know, coming into this, onto this earth. And then for her to have the opportunity to come back here and work and for me to be back here now. And then my babies and my, my twin girls, you know, they're starting their sophomore years here and, you know, they live in Stokely and I get to see them, you know, all the time. They're in my office hanging out. You know, it's, it's just great, you know, just uh, to have, have them be able to experience this with me or me be able to experience this with them. Uh, because I do truly feel like, you know, it's, it's bigger than me. You know, it's not about me anymore. It's about my family, and everybody's just so happy. My girls, man, they love UT. Uh, my twins couldn't be more happier. It's just a perfect fit for them. You know, they're, even though they're identical twins, they have totally different personalities. And UT just fits both of their personalities. You know, Sydney's a country western girl, loves country music, cowboy boots, the hats. You know, all that hunting. She's involved now with some hunting clubs and all that kind of stuff. You know, Milan thinks she's a city girl. So, you know, Knoxville has a little city flair for her. So it's just the best of both worlds that neither one had to sacrifice their identity to, to go to school together. The one that likes to hunt, does, does that come from you? Are you a hunter? And well, the... I grew up a hunter, and I do I do have a farm, you know, in Tuskegee. I don't know, but because of my profession, I hadn't hunted in a long time. So, so, but you know, that's something that she's very passionate about. In fact, she's she's changing her major to something dealing with ag, and she wants to do that. That's something that she's truly passionate about. Fantastic. What you, you look back at your first, you know, go around here, and you, you everybody remembers you bringing in, you know, Jamal and Dion and Cozy and and, and Fred Weary and now all those guys are coming back around from winning the 98 national title and they're, you know, 25 years later. How neat is it to kind of see that? And then even a guy like, you know, um, Richard Seymour, who you coached at Georgia, he was here for the South Carolina game, having him around, having those former players kind of come back and seeing where they're at in their lives and seeing where they have kids or don't have kids and what they're doing now. How rewarding is some of that? Well, I mean, that's what, that's why, you know, I do it, you know, and that's what I, I've always told Kim, you know, that, you know, the reason why, you know, I've stayed in college coaching and not made the jump to the NFL is because, you know, it's just so much more rewarding, 
you know, having an opportunity to invest in these young men and have an impact in their lives and, and watching them grow and change chapters and, you know, you know, come out of young men to being men and, and just watching them grow into being good husbands, good fathers and good citizens. And, you know, it, it's just so rewarding. You know, it's just like, you know, just seeing Dwayne Goodrich and Travis Henry and Travis Stevens this weekend, just all the guys, you know, just that, you know, it's just so great to see them and just see how they've matured and, you know, you know, and, you know, how they transform. Even, you know, my room now, I think back to, you know, my room from the day I got here, you know, <laughs> two and a half years ago to where it is right now and just seeing the maturity in some of these guys. It's just, you know, it's so rewarding just to see guys grow. And Travis Stevens, I mean, I think he's got, what, maybe at least a, a game left in him. I mean, he looks like he can still go. Hey, man, he, I don't know what he's on, but he looked <laughs> yoked up. I'm like, God, Marty. <laughs> Jeez. He looked great. <laughs> he like he's still playing. What are you, when, when, when you're coaching a kid, like, do you have a kind of a core value system that you're trying to, you know, impart upon them? Well, you know, like, and I share with them all the time. I want, I, you know, my first thing, you know, I want them to be good men, you know, because I feel like if they're good men and they're men of character, you know, if they've, if they've got talent and they should have talent or they shouldn't be here. Uh, so, you know, if they've, if they're good men, you know, they're going to become good football players, you know, just, you know, just teaching them the work ethic and just being able to grind and the strain and the fight, you know, through adversity, because, you know, football and life, you know, there's so many parallels, you know, that, you know, things are not going to be easy, you know, and what are you going to do when you hit those tough situations? You know, are you going to find a way to fight yourself and fight your way out of it? Or are you going to cower down and you're going to quit? You know, and that's the thing, you know, that's why I think, and I try to explain to them, you know, why I'm so hard on them in practice. You know, I want practice to be harder than the game ever was. So when on Saturday, I want the game to be easy, you know, that they've been put in those tough situations and they know how to fight their way out and they know how to bond together, that camaraderie, and they pull one another and they stay together as a, as a team, not as an individual, and, and find a way to fight through it and come out on the other side. You look at your room right now and you talked about the growth in it. Um you know, I see uh, somebody like Omar Norman Lott, who's a, a you know a new piece comes in from the transfer portal. You got Tyler Barron, who's matured a lot. Uh, you got James Pierce matured a lot. You got a guy like Big O, who's probably always kind of had the maturity level. Um, what's that melting pot like in that room? Well, now you know you've got you you've got the guys you know policing themselves. You know they they have bought into the culture. Uh, they see the culture's working. They see the success that they're having because of the culture you know we tried to you know stomp out the the individualism which that's so hard now in society because you know the way we're raising everybody is me 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 you know but you know i always try to tell them you know and they probably think it's so cliche you know when i come in that meeting you know it's like it begins with the t and it ends with the t you know it's got to be about tennessee first you know, it's bigger than you, it's bigger than me, it's bigger than all of us, you know. So just learning to, to understand that there's something bigger than us individually that we're playing for. And if we'll all bond together and we'll play together and play for one another, then at the end there's going to be more accolades than we even have guys to 
to receive them. And then I think they're seeing that and they're starting to believe in that, you know, because of their having that success. You know, I just look at a guy like Tyler. You know, he's just so much bought in than what he was two years ago. And just seeing his growth, and I just see his maturity and his level of play has improved. Same thing with James as last year. You know, James, you know, he had those struggles, and he had to fight, and he wrestled with all those those angels and all those things. And now he's starting to buy in, and he's starting to see that success. And that and that pays dividends for other guys just to see, you know, what what doing it the right way, what doing it the Tennessee way, you know, what they can achieve if they do that. When you look back at your career, are there sights and sounds and smells when you're out on the practice field in fall camp or during the season or at a game or on a road trip that just kind of take you back to like, I mean, kind of like almost transform you back into when you were a player? I mean, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, look, like just something, you smell something, you hear something. It's like, wow, that reminds me of this. Well, I mean, I think the whole, you know, you know, fall camp, you know, preparation for camp, the season, you know, all of it, you know, it always takes you back down memory lane, you know, and I just sit back, you know, and I reflect, you know, on my life and in my career and just, just understand it's just, you know, how blessed I am, you know, and, you know, and I sit there and I say this and, and I mean it from the bottom of my heart, you know, this sport has been better to me than I've been to it. And, you know, so it, I have reaped so many rewards because of football and because of this game, you know, and I sit back and I think people, you know, they don't understand why Coach Dye meant so much to me because, you know, he changed my life, you know, taking, you know, a poor kid out of Leeds, Alabama and giving him hope and giving him an opportunity, you know, because of football and the opportunity to go to college and to go to Auburn, you know, it changed my life. It changed my mom's life. It's changed my kid's life. It's changed my wife's life. You know, this thing is just continuing to pay dividends. And that's the thing that I I, I sort of, you know, apprehensive about what the new transfer portal and all this thing's doing that, you know, I don't think the kids are going to have that type of love for their schools and, and that type of devotion that we had, and, and it's going to mean that to us. So that's the one of the things that I try to still instill in my kids in that room that we're all blessed, you know, to be at the University of Tennessee. You know, I, I get up every day and I thank the Lord for the opportunity to be here, you know, and I think it is a blessing to be here. You know, this is one of the most iconic brands there is, and, you know, to be able to play in Neyland Stadium, to run through that tee at night. I mean, you know, we're in the one percentile, and I tell them we should never take that for granted. And uh, so, you know, just trying to get those guys to understand that we are blessed for this opportunity to be here and not vice versa. You know, sometimes, you know, they think that Tennessee's blessed to have them. No, I mean, there's been great players before you. There'll be great players after you. You know, we're blessed to have this opportunity to be on this stage, to be able to do these things right here in this moment. And, you know, we just need to cherish it. Everybody knows you are a dogged recruiter, and you've landed on your fair share. You had over 30 NFL draft picks, uh, you know, during your time. What is it about relationship building? And then, too, like maybe the chess pieces of, of working your recruitment, kind of seeing 
seeing something unfold before it actually unfolds, kind of know like, okay, this is going to be the person who I need to deal with the most in this particular recruitment because that person's going to have a big impact on the decision. What is it that made has made you such a elite recruiter all these years? Well, I've always just tried to be real, and um, you know, and I, and I, that's the thing that I think has helped me throughout my career. It didn't matter where I was or you know. I could always give them parents, you know, players that I recruited that, hey, you can call them, you can ask them about Coach G. You know, they're going to tell you that Coach G's real. You know, what he tells you, you can you can bank on. I mean, he's going to be a man of his word. Now, is he going to be hard on your son? Yes. Is he going to hold your son accountable? Is he going to make sure that he's doing things the right way? Yes, he's going to do all that. But at the end of the day, he's going to love him just like he's, he's his own. And that's, and that's what I try to tell people. When I make when I have to make a decision regarding these young men, I always ask myself if it was my son, how would I want this handled? And that's how that's my compass in dealing with everything. So you know that's how I make decisions. That's how I move, and I hope that I'm impacting these young men's lives in a positive way. That this relationship is not a four-year relationship. You know, it's a lifetime relationship. You know, I love that you know, my players come back. They bring their wives. They bring their kids. You know, you know, I, I feel like granddad. Like you know, this weekend with Richard and with Tanya, and you know, in, in London. You know, it's like my grandson. You know, it's my son's my daughter-in-law. You know, that's that's the way I feel about it. You know, so that's those. So, and then that's that relationship with be it be former Auburn players be. It former Georgia players, be it my my former Tennessee players when I was here the first time, you know, Antron Peoples calls me all the time. We cut up. You know, Dustin Moore's son's here in school, living in Stokely, same dorm my kids are in, you know. So, you know, those relationships, man, those are life-changing relationships. You talk about Richard Seymour. Derek Brown's been up here and worked yeah. out, at, at you know, at Tennessee during the offseason, even though he went to Auburn just to, yeah. you know, be around yeah. you. How how hard is it for some of those guys? Because I mean, they're Georgia guys or Auburn guys, and all of a sudden they're walking in there and they're around the you know around Tennessee stuff. Like I mean, like you know what I'm saying? I'm, I know it's they're coming here to see you, but at the same time, how much do they kind of like tell me about Tennessee? I mean, I think I mean, anyone that has an opportunity to come on this campus or to come into this facility, you know, I think they immediately have great appreciation for this place. Uh, you know, for the tradition, the history. You know the facilities. You know I'm just blessed to have, to work for a man like Coach Heupel, who's opening op- open arms to allow young men to come in and be able to be around our guys and have an opportunity to pour into our guys and and you know he makes them feel welcome. You know you you could I could easily be working for someone that would not be that way. You know but you know that's the thing that I think is so unique about him and that was one of the things when. You know, we hired him. We came back. He wanted to make sure, first of all, that the the VFLs know that they're forever welcome here. The doors open all the time. These guys, it's their blood, sweat, and tears that's laid the foundation, that's built this program. Their backs, this program was built on, and they got to always feel like they've got a, they got an open door and a welcome policy here to be here. And but for him to even just say, hey, gee, you know. These guys are important to you. You're important to them. They're welcome here. You know, I really appreciate that because that's something that he does not have to do, and I do know that, and I'm very thankful 
and appreciative to him for you know allowing me to do those things. What's something most people don't know about Rodney Garner? I'm, I'm not I'm not very complicated. My wife probably would say say differently. You know, I just I'm more of a homebody. You know, I mean I just I mean I love my girls. You know, I'm a, I'm a girl dad. Take a lot of pride in it. You know, love kids. You know, you know just don't do a whole lot. Simple guy. Now, when we talk on the phone, you'll be watching Andy Griffith or oh, yeah. Mash or Matlock, or you love old school TV shows. Yeah, I, love, I mean, I'm an old school guy, you know. But you know, I do like new stuff. I like FBI. I like Yellowstone. I like, I like Joe uh, P- uh, Joe Pickett. You NCIS. Know, NCIS. You know, I love. I like all that stuff. You I, think, know, but, I think Gibbs one of the greatest characters of all time. Oh, I'm a Gibbs fan. He's kind of like you, though. Yeah. Old school. You got yeah. rules too. Yeah. Rule, yeah. rule thirty nine. Yeah. There's no such thing as a coincidence. <laughs> I'm not quite like that, but, you know, I do have rules. You know, I have rules that we go by. Best show of all time is what? Andy Griffith is hard to beat. I mean, it really is. Barney the, is Barney the goat character in that show? Barney's pretty good. You know, but I, yeah, I like Ernest T. Bass. You know, he, he's a character too, you know. So, well, I like it. You know, I really like it. I'm just, I love Bonanza. That's probably really, probably if you had to ask me, that's probably my favorite show is Bonanza. When I call him from now on, I'm going to say, it's me, it's me, it's Austin P. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I told my wife, I'm going over here doing this show for, for Austin Price. She said, you know that's your buddy. I said, really? You think? <laughs> what, uh, if, if, if Rodney Garner got to plan the family vacation for the summer, what would the Garners be doing? Well, probably the favorite vacation I've been on with with the girls is probably, you know, d- renting the RV and doing the RV trip. You know, we've done that twice. Uh, we've also done a train, which you know I really enjoyed the train. Where'd you, you know, go? On the train? Yeah. We we boarded the train in Atlanta, and uh, we went to New Orleans, and then we went up to Memphis, and we stayed like two or three days in Memphis, and we came back to New Orleans, stayed a day, then came back to Atlanta. But just getting one of those sleeping cars and that thing just puts you to sleep. I just slept the whole time. It was unreal. Didn't have to worry about driving and all that. It was un- it was awesome. Where all did you go in the R V? We went from uh we went to New Jersey twice. Now now is that you driving the whole way or is it's it is- me driving the whole way. I'm not gonna put my life in Kim's hands. <laughs> it's me driving all the way. Uh oh Kim. Yep, not doing it. <laughs> You're a pickup truck guy. Yeah, I love my truck. I ain't, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm a, I'm a simple guy. When you're back home at Auburn, you know, when you, when you get time and you, you, you go back down there, because you still have your house down there, yeah. what are you just hanging out at the house? You go see certain people when you're in town? Well, you know, I got teammates. You know, Benji Rowland's probably my best friend, you know. You know, we'll go to dinner with, with our wives, and we'll go to Benji. We went to Costa Rica uh, oh, two right. summers ago. Yeah. You know, me, Benji, and Kelly, and Kim, and my buddy David Turner that coached at Mississippi State and his wife. Man, they had a blast, you know. So, you know, this summer we were back there, and we had a little kickback with Benji and his wife. DT and his wife came over. We had some other friends in town came over. Just hang out, you know, just do nothing, just – Sit around, tell stories, and have fun and fellowship. You're such a big, you know, you talk about being a girl dad. You're such a big family guy. Uh, 
favorite holiday with the families? Well, is it Christmas, Christmas or it's Christmas? I'm a Christmas. I love Christmas. I love Christmas. I'm a sucker for Christmas. When's the tree go up, Rodney? When the tree comes down, that's what you need to ask Kim. There we go. See, see, <laughs> okay. see. And you wonder why we get along. He loves Matlock. He loves. He loves Andy Griffith. He loves all those old school TV shows. I grew up watching Nick at Night and like Get Smart and all that stuff when I was a kid. I love old school stuff. And our Christmas tree. I mean, you're, I'm not quite a diehard like you, but my Christmas tree goes up before the trick or treaters come. And mm-hmm. and I catch so much flack for that every year. Like, well, I'll be doing Zooms or whatever on shows, and the Christmas tree will be in the background, and it's like October. And they're like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, I was at the Alabama game Saturday, and my wife said, hey, I put the Christmas tree up. <laughs> hey, I love Christmas. I love it. Love best Christmas best, music. Best, see, I could listen to that all year long. Yeah, me too. Best best Christmas song of all time is what? Nick King Cole. So you, when, when will you put on Christmas music? Do you do that in the office at work? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I love, it. Does, I anybody, love it. does anybody go, Coach, it's September. Well, you don't listen to Christmas. Well, I ain't doing it in September, but, you know, I'll do it as soon as uh, November gets here. And I'll play it in the D-line meeting room, too. We're going to have it in there, too. How do the kids respond to that? I, I bet you they like that, actually. Yeah, they, they, they like to get to see a different side of me. You know, I think they, uh, they're a little shocked. <laughs> they love it when my, my nieces and nephew comes around. They think I'm – much more uh, amendable to deal with. The nieces and nephews went up to Gallenberg this summer with them, uh, float yeah. down the down the river and yeah, stuff. Yeah. You know, you enjoy kind of being Uncle Rodney at times because oh, I mean your no. girls are all older, yeah. so I mean they're all now in at least in college. You guys are kind of empty nesters, yeah. even though they're not technically yeah. like well, that all, old. But... Everybody's still on the payroll. Yeah, all six, all yeah. six weddings to pay yeah. for. Yeah. All six of them still in IL for life. <laughs> I'm trying to get somebody to go in the transfer portal. <laughs> Nobody won't go. What's your goal? I mean, I, I, I don't want to ask you how much you want to coach because, I mean, that could be anywhere from, you know, a year to ten years. But, I mean, like, what, what kind of what do you hope to accomplish? If the good Lord was uh, – if I had to choose, you know, I would really love to, you know, finish my career out here. You know, I'd love for us to play well enough and for us to win well enough that, you know, we could stay here and we could do well and, you know, and this could be – the, the swan song, you know, but, uh, you know, obviously we have to win. You know, we're in the entertainment business. We've got to win. You know, we've got to play well and we've got to recruit well and, and all that. But, you know, I, I love having an impact on these young men. And, you know, the, and it, it, when I feel that I'm not and I've lost that effectiveness, then it'll be time to move on. But, you know, I feel like I still – you know, I still have a, I still have an impact in their lives. I still feel like I'm making a difference. You know, just you know, sitting down this weekend with Omar Lots, you know, family and them talking about how much they have seen him change and mature since he's been here in the six months than what he did three years at Arizona State. You know, that's rewarding. You know, to me, and you know, it's just that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. So you know, as long as you know, if I'm in good health and They'll have me. I mean, I plan on being here. For a guy like Omar Norman Lott, how much do you think – I mean, no offense to the Pac-12, but the, the atmosphere is different at those games. How much do you think a game like Saturday was like, whoa, this is different? Well, I hadn't had an opportunity to ask him, but I'm sure it is. I mean, he's he's found out everything's different here. The expectations about how we do things, how we practice, how we do everything, you know. So – but, you know, he's adjusted. You know, I can remember, you know, he, like I told, you know, his uncle and his aunt, you know, we had that come to Jesus moment where, 
it was that we were at the crossroads that he was going to have to decide which way he was going to go. But like I told him, he knew what he signed up for, and that's exactly where it's going to be. So either he was going to do it my way or he was going to have to go the highway and take it to another spot. But but he bought in, and he's and I think he sees himself, you know, doing well, and he's happy as he can be now. You've got a core group of older guys: Tyler, Big O, Omar Norman, Lot, you know, um, Bryce and Eason. That, all those guys could technically come back next year. They could all decide to you know go and play pro ball or whatever. Mm-hmm. But you also got a core group of younger guys mm-hmm. with with Tyree Weathersby, who I know you're extremely high on before he got injured. David Hobbs, Nathan Robinson, Trevor Duncan. When, when you look at and of course the edge guys like Caleb Herring. Um, you know, when you look at that young group, does that young group kind of get you back invigorated a little bit? Not that you were ever not invigorated, but I mean, just kind of like, man, I can't wait to get those guys where where we got this current group. Man, my whole room just excites me. You know, I I feel blessed to be able to go to work and 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 work with the young men that I work with. I enjoy my guys. I have really good guys. I have been blessed with good guys. And uh, and I think they're believing in Tennessee. And I think they're, begin- they're loving Tennessee. Uh, I think they're appreciative of being here at Tennessee. And, uh, and, and I think, you know, I think we're doing things the right way. You know, we're not cutting corners. You know, like I told them, you know, this is not just – you know, a four-year plan. This is a lifetime plan. You know, we got to equip them with the skills that it's going to take for them to be successful in life. You know, long after this is over with, uh, you know, they've got to be able to go out and compete in life. And, you know, and that's the one thing I want them to know, that when they leave this place, that they know without a doubt that, hey, I'm equipped to be successful in life. It may not be in football, but I know I'm going to make it in life. And if we do that, then, hey, then, you know, we've done our job. A deep, in-depth answer from Coach G, but I'm going to end on a little lighter version. Every show we've done this, and that's been with all, a lot of players. We've done it now with, I think, about 75% of the coaching staff. I ask everybody, Jordan or LeBron? This guy right here is the cousin of Charles Barkley. He referenced him, just called him Charles earlier. But for you, Jordan or LeBron? I would say Dr. J. Dr. J. See, that's the yeah, first yeah. overdrive. We've had some Kobe's. Uh, I'm Dr. J guy. I'm Dr. J. I'm Julius Erber. I like it. Yeah. I like it. Best 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 forward of all time. Is that Charles Barkley? Yeah, I would say so. For him what for him to be the size he is and the impact that he had on that game, it'll never happen again. And the best analyst there is. Yeah, it is. True that true that he is fantastic as an analyst well coach garner man we appreciate the time and the good uh kind of look at your career and kind of the man you are and uh you know we wish you luck the rest of the way i appreciate you 